Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that you're, you've you said from the prophet, it's, it's shut up in our bones like a fire. And Lord, that's the way I feel tonight. I'm just so excited to get to the message, to get to your word, because you're going to speak to us in a great way. Our hearts are open. I pray Psalm 8110 that as my mouth is open wide, you fill it with only your words. God, let me only do and say what you have said to me. Let me be a conduit tonight of your very message to your people. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, would you say amen? Now, I love teaching through divine healing. It's, it's something the Lord has put in my heart. Many years ago, I was just a young little lad. Is it okay to say lad? Is it okay? I was just a young little lad, and I was at a church service, and you know, I may have been, I don't know the age, but I was, I may have been Noah's age or Ava's age or maybe just a, a tick older, but I, I remember I was very young. And one of the elders in the church, a dear old man who I believe is one on the be of the Lord, he came up to me as just a young man, just moved by God, just weeping and just praying. And I, I think I was even sitting in the back that night. No offense to those of you that are sitting in the back, but I don't think I was really engaged and really want, you know, paying attention. And I was, you know, I was just kind of there because, you know, had to be. And this sweet old man came up and he, all he could do was quote over me, Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes, you are healed by his stripes. And he just was weeping. God was moving on him. And it was a large auditorium, larger than this. And he walked all the way across the room, maybe 200 people there that day and found me. And he said, the Lord is, he will not let that scripture leave me. I have to just confess it over you. He said, I want you to remember that scripture the rest of your life. I didn't even know what Isaiah 53, 5 was. I was like 10. I had no idea. But he kept speaking it over me and saying, God's going to use you in, in healing. God's going to use you to bring healing to people. And all these years later, probably some you know good 20, maybe 25 years later, the Lord has used me to see people come to healing and, and to minister healing. Not perfectly, I'm learning like you are, but that stuck with me. God marked me in that moment as a child. I remember this man, this grown man, standing over me, tears. I can see it now looking up like this because I'm sitting down, and I can see his tears just falling on my shoulder, just moved, my, moved by God, just quoting that scripture. He said, it's all I can say over and over again. And that did something in my heart. I have a confidence that God loves us, and he is our healer. Again, I don't know this perfectly. I'm not an expert in this. But God has given me a passion for this. He has given me some knowledge in this area. And I've seen a lot of folks that I've prayed for. I've seen more people that I've prayed for walk away better than not. I've seen people. I remember about three years ago, about 7 o'clock in the morning, I got a phone call from a young man that I hadn't seen in, in maybe a decade. Uh, he was in my youth group way back when, when I was a youth pastor. And uh, he called me at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And have me you know when somebody you've not heard from in 10 years calls you at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning, you answer the phone call. And so I got the call, and I thought, who's calling me this early? And saw his name come on the screen, and he called me and said, James, I just want to tell you, I know you're really good friends with my father, who actually at the time worked with me in my office. And I said, yeah, what's going on? He said, well, uh, I believe my dad's going to die. He said he's had a massive a tumor on his pancreas the size of a grapefruit. And I'm not in medicine, but that I guess that's big. That's bad. When you have a tumor on your pancreas the size of a grapefruit, that's not good. And so it had ruptured, and they had flown him to Lifestar, and he was non-responsive in a coma. And he said, I just I think my dad would want you to know what was going on. And I came to church that morning here and preached, loved on you guys, preached the word. And, man, as soon as I said amen, whew, made a beeline to the hospital. And uh, I believe he was, I believe he was at UT in the intensive care. And I walked in, and, and the family was, uh, the family couldn't go back because he was in ICU. And, and I said, well, I'm a pastor. I said, I need to go back and see this brother. I need to go pray for him. So they let me go back. And I'll never forget, Joyce, when I walked in the room. Have you ever just felt death? You know what I'm talking about? Death was in the room. Lifeless. All the machines hooked up to everything. No life. And I'm sitting there looking at my friend that I've known for years, an older gentleman who I respect and, and become friends with. And, 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 I, and I, I said, Lord, I said, I'm going to pray for him. And I said, this has just got to be you. This has got to be a miracle from you. And I know a lot of people were praying. And I laid my hands on him. 
and just prayed. And I began to weep, and God just began to rise up with him. And I prayed over him, as many people were, but I had the opportunity to be there, to be in that room. And with everything I had, Pastor Michael, it took everything I had to speak life because I'm staring at death in the face, staring at death and lifeless, just cold. And, and I'm speaking life. I'm speaking that you will live. And I'm, and I'm starting to cry. And I'm kind of secretly hoping that no nurses are going to come in. You know, the nurses always come in at just the right time, right? And I'm just praying over him, just believe in the Lord. And I turn around and leave. And then I get a report the next day, go back to the hospital. He's, they've moved him up to another level. He's doing better. And make a long story short, the brother's totally recovered. He's back to work, totally cancer-free. Come on, can we give God thanks? He's been to this church before. And what a great testimony of God's faithfulness. Now, I tell you that to tell you that, that you're too late to talk me out of divine healing. You've come too late to talk me out of God wanting to heal us and, and believing in it because I've seen too much. I've been around it. I know God's Word. I have the utmost confidence. And that's what this series is designed to do. This series, whether you're listening by podcast or here in the room, this series is designed to, to help encourage your faith and to give you confidence in God's Word. Amen? Amen. We're going to just look at a lot of scriptures tonight. So let's turn to Psalm 119. Pull it up, my friend Jared. If we're going to believe and receive God's Word and His promise of health and healing, we must establish that God's Word is valid. We've got to establish the validity of God's Word if we're ever going to receive this promise. As I was praying and meditating on this, we teach this all the time, at least uh, every year too we try to teach this, and the Lord began to give me new things, a new revelation, and a new angle to approach this. So how many of you are in this house tonight and you've heard a sermon on healing before? You've heard a sermon. So don't sit there and go, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. How many know we need to hear it again? Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. So the Lord gave me this scripture. It says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Would you say that with me? Uh, go back, Jared, if you can. Let's say that together. Ready? Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Think about the magnitude of that statement. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Meaning God's word is a done deal. God's word is settled. It is established. Look at verse 90. The, the psalmist declares, Your faithfulness continues to all generations. Now, how many of you are in a generation that is different than when this generation was written? Can I see your hand? I believe that's everybody in the house. How many of you in here tonight qualify as an all generation? So God's faithfulness is to us. It goes to all generations. You establish the earth... And it stands. Think about that. Do you know, now I'm not a scientist. I don't pretend to know all there is about physics and science and outer space. But do you know the earth is at just the right uh, distance from the sun so that we don't burn up or that we don't freeze to death? Do you know we're turning at just the right degree, at just the right speed, on just the right axis? If any one of those things were off, we could not even have life on the earth. God established the earth and it stands. So think about this. If God over the centuries and millenniums and however long the earth has been in existence, we won't argue that point tonight, but let's just say, whatever, let's just say, who knows, let's say 6,000 years, just for an easy number. We know the earth has been around at least that long. We can't argue that fact. So for 6,000 years, God has been watching and monitoring the earth to make sure that it stands just like he created. How many of you have ever taken a basketball and can spin it on your finger? How many of you can do that? TC, can you do that? How many of you can spin it for like 10 seconds? Okay, you're better than me. <laughs> I can't even hold a basketball for 10 seconds. How many of you can spin it for 30 seconds? 30 seconds? You can't spin a basketball for 30 seconds? 40 seconds? God created the earth. We know it's at least 6,000 years old, and it still stands. It's still spinning because the word of the Lord is established to all generations. The word of the Lord stands. That's how big our God is. Can you say amen? Look at verse 91. They stand, your faithfulness stand to this day according to your ordinances, for, the, for all things are your servants. So once you get an idea tonight of how big our God is, look at 1 Peter 1, 24. 1 Peter 1 and verse 24 says this about God's Word. It says, All flesh is like grass, and its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fade off. They fell off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. So even though we're reading from an ancient book, 
even though we're reading from an ancient text, the word of the Lord endures how long? Forever. Does God's word have an expiration date? Does God's word ever uh, go out of date and lose its power? How many of you take vitamins in the house? Any vitamin freaks in the house? Man, I'm a vitamin freak. I love it. You come to my house and we, I feel like a, an old person because I've got one of those little trays that has Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And every Saturday, my waffle, sweet little waffle, bring me her little thing and she'll say, fill me up, you know, <laughs> fill me up, doc. And I'll count out the vitamins and the vitamin D. And, 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 and how many of you know that I don't even know why I said that? I don't know what that had to do with this story. Oh, because the word of the Lord doesn't have an expiration date. And this is where it was. Thank you. So you take vitamins. How many know vitamins expire and they lose their potency? They lose their impact. God's word never loses its impact. His word never fails. So I want you to think about the vastness of our God and all of creation. Do you know that creation and nature testify of God? Even if you never had a Bible, you can see the magnificence of God in creation. Look at Romans 1.18. We can look at creation and the vastness of our universe and, and see how awesome and powerful our God is. It says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness to men who suppress the truth. Look at verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. Meaning we don't even have an excuse. It says, For God made it evident to them. How? Look at verse 20. It says, for since creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made so that we are without excuse. Meaning when we look at a blade of grass, when, can you replicate a blade of grass? How many of you can replicate a tree? Man, Carrie can make some good stuff. Carrie's creative. He can make stuff out of you know, moldings and leather. But Carrie, can you make grass? Have you duplicated grass? Can you duplicate a tree? No. No. Well, you know what? Why can we not duplicate grass? Because God is so powerful. God is so omnipotent. God is so vast that he makes things that we can't even duplicate. We cannot even replicate. I mean, no, Easter grass just doesn't cut it. The little green stuff, it's not there. It's not the real stuff. You can't replicate. You can't make a flower. Because God is so sovereign and God is so powerful and God is so creative. Listen to this, listen to this here talking about the, the universe and God's nature and his vastness. There are 375,000, 375,000 known species of plants. 375,000 known species of plants. That's how big our God is. That's how creative our God is. Listen to this, Jim. You'll like this. There are 1,250,000 out-of-defined species of animal. 1,250,000 known species of animal. Now, why do I tell you that? Because our God created such an array of, of life. He created such a vast universe. I want you to see this because our little problems are nothing for such a big God. You know, how many of you study outer space a little bit? Any space fans? You know, they're continuing to discover new galaxies, and now they're beginning to think that they can't even see an end of the galaxy, and they'll develop this telescope, and it will, you know, it will find this star. And, and I want you to watch a short video, and I've calculated this because it takes a few minutes here, but this is really powerful. So, Jared, cut the lights off. I'm going to read what the video says because I want people on the CD to be able to hear this. But I want you to see this video about the vastness of our universe and about how powerful our God is. So fire this video, and I'm just going to read on the screen what it says. Forgive the music. It's a little weird, but you can thank YouTube for that. All right, Jay, go ahead. Fire the video. Incomprehensible. This was not put out by a Christian organization, but it's so, so true and gives us a glimpse of, of how awesome our God is. zooms out and you have just a scope of the distance, probably three, four hundred feet out. 
And now you're going to begin to see circles that appear on the screen. And every circle is 10 times greater in distance. So you can see that circle there where they were. So every time you see a ring, it is 10 times further away than the first ring. Now you're zooming up. You can see clearly above Earth the, the far, the distance, the vastness of the Earth. Now there's another ring, if you can see it. Now there's another ring covering the whole Earth. We zoom into outer space. The Earth's diameter is 7,913 miles. That's the diameter of the earth. Now we're in outer space. The moon is 238,000 miles away from the earth. The moon, 238,000 miles away from the earth. Each ring is 10 times greater than the one before. The distance from the earth to the sun still traveling now to the sun is 93, I guess that is million miles. 93 million miles is one AU. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. The distance to Pluto is 32 billion, or excuse me, 3 billion miles, 32 AU. Pluto is 3 billion miles away. Let's keep going. This is the vastness of our God. This is the vastness of our creation. One light year is over 63,000 AU. One light year. The nearest star to the Earth is 4.33 light years away billions and billions of miles away keep traveling and this is just what we can see this is just what we can measure this gets incredible here Our Earth and our Sun and all of our stars and our Moon is what you've heard of, of the Milky Way galaxy. It's 100,000 AU in distance. That's one galaxy. 3.2 light years equal one parsec. It's billions and billions of miles. Watch this now. Don't get bored because this is incredible. The closest spiral galaxy that we've identified, 788,000 parsecs. The furthest galaxy that we can see and identify, Jared, you go ahead and shut that off. Here's why I wanted to take the time to show you that. And again, I'm not a scientist star guy, but here's what I know. Our God is a big God. Our God is a powerful God. How powerful? Isaiah 40 declares this. Jared, if you can pull that up, verse 21. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the very beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Verse 22 in Isaiah 40. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and it is he who looks at the inhabitants of the earth like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain rod, and he spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. God stretches out the, the heavens and stretches out the universes like we would stretch out a curtain. He looks at the inhabitants of the earth like grasshoppers. Verse 23, he reduces rulers to nothing. He makes judges of the earth to become meaningless. 
The prophet Isaiah and John the Revelator declared that the earth and the skies would be rolled up like a scroll. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the vastness of our God, if God can create a universe as complex as that, He can handle our problems. He can handle our infirmities. He can handle and meet us in our weakness. Can I have an amen? We serve a very powerful God. So we've got to establish God's will connected with His Word. If we're going to talk about healing and we're going to talk about receiving from the Lord, we have to answer the question, is this God's will? Is divine healing today the will of God? We hear that's the biggest debate. Well, they, this person must have died because maybe it wasn't God's will for them to be healed. And we've got really good denominational brothers. They'll pray every prayer like this, Lord, I pray for my sister, be thy will, you know, to heal her. Every one of us has heard those prayers. So what is that? What is the answer to that? What is the answer to the question? Well, let me give you three places if you're taking notes. Three places that you can see God's perfect will concerning mankind. Number one is in the Garden of Eden. Before before sin, before the fall of man, we see the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness, there was no death, there was no disease. Number two is in the life of Jesus. Yes, sickness and disease was all around Jesus, but Jesus knew no sin, and therefore he was not affected by the sickness and disease. It was not in his life and in his ministry. And then third is heaven. Heaven is free from sin, and therefore we see there is no sickness and there is no disease in heaven. So number one is the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. Number two is in the life of Jesus. Number three is in heaven. So what we want to shift to is we want to establish that it is God's will for us to walk in health. We want to establish it is God's will for us to be healed. And that affects how we pray. Let me show you 3 John and 2. Most of you know the scripture. I think we're actually going to start, yeah, in verse 2. 3 John chapter 1 in verse 2. Follow along with me. It says, Beloved, I pray... In all respects. So here John is praying for his congregation. He says, I pray in all things, in all respects, that you would prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And we're going to spend some time in, in, in the future connecting this. We're going to connect in the body of Christ, connecting our soul prospering to our body prospering and our life prospering. Third John 1 verse 2, it says, Beloved, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health. As your soul prospers, it says in verse 3, For I was glad when the brethren came and testified of your truth. That is how you are walking in the truth. And he says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than this, than to hear my children walk in truth. Say this when we say, I have no greater joy than when my children walk in truth. So it, it's pleasing to John when they were walking in the truth about prospering and being in health and it's also pleasing to the father and there's a tremendous joy that comes with walking in truth walking in the truth of God's love walking in the truth of his power now let me just back up here and make make a couple of side notes if I can because we're going to talk about something that you don't hear talked about in the body of Christ are you ready for that believers oftentimes receive healing differently than non-believers and we don't, we don't think about that. We, we don't approach it. John is saying, he said, Beloved, um, he, he said, Beloved, I want you to walk in health and, and prosper. So we have to be honest with the Bible that there is different ways that unbelievers receive healing versus the way believers receive healing. Let me know tonight and through the next sessions, we're talking to believers. So my goal is not just to, to see you get a healing. God's ultimate plan is really not to heal you. God's ultimate plan is for you to walk in health. God's ultimate plan is for you to not need a healing. Now, if you do, take it. If you need a healing, I'll be the first one to help you. If I need a healing in my body, I'm the first one to get the scriptures out, first one to pray over my family. But God's ultimate goal and ultimate plan is not that every single week that we need, we need a healing and we need a miracle. God's ultimate goal and plan is that we would live a life of health as our soul is prosperous, as things are right on the inside, as I'm clicking with God, as I'm connecting with the Lord, as my soul is is in tune with God and His Word, then I can actually walk in health. And I want to be careful to explain that to you because many times we don't draw the line of how believers receive healing from God versus maybe a, a divine work of God in the life of the unbeliever. So let's look at 1 John 5. So we've established God's vastness. We've established His greatness. Look at this in 1 John 5. It says, This is the confidence which we have. How many of you would like to have confidence when you pray? How many, when, when, how many know, when I walked into that hotel room and my friend was laying there dead, 
How many know, I, in the natural, I did not have a lot of confidence in the situation. But the word of God began to rise up within me. As people were praying all over the city, God's word began to rise up within us. God wants you to get to the place that you have confidence when you pray. How do we, how do we have confidence? Because we've got the scriptures. His word is forever settled in heaven. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will... So if we do not establish divine healing as God's will, we will never get to the point where we have the confidence to pray and ask God as we approach this. So this is the confidence we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So we've got to establish what is God's will in this area. Look at verse 15, one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. And we know that He hears us. The God that holds the universe together hears me. This is a confidence we have that he hears us when we ask and that we know we have the request for which we have asked him. So for the next few weeks, my goal is to instill confidence in you according to God and according to his word. The great thing about the word of God is that that healing is provided for in the atonement of Christ, which we're going to see next week. And then we're going to talk through about roadblocks, how to receive God's Healing. So let me, let's just establish this. Write this down. You won't see it on the screen, but write this down. Hebrews 10, 5 through 7. Jesus is, it is said of Jesus that he came to do God's will. Hebrews 10, 5. Jesus came to do God's will. So what did Jesus come to the earth to do? God's will. John 4, Jesus said, in John 4 31, he said, I've come to do the will of him who sent me. What did Jesus come to do? The will of God. He said, I've come to do the will of him who sent me. So God's will is seen in the life of Christ. And, and I begin to think about something all the way back at the very beginning. Where do we see God healing people from the beginning? Where do we see God's will? I went all the way back to Genesis. Check this out. Do we have Genesis 20 and 17? I want you to see this. Uh, it's in the story where uh, Abraham went to another city and he was afraid of his uh, wife uh, being uh you know, they were going to kill him because his wife was so pretty. And uh, Amalek took his wife. And, and then when they found out, he said, you can have her back. And when they found out who Abraham was, they said, you can have your wife back, your family back. And Abimelech was barren and his wife. So look at Genesis 20:17. Jared, do you have that? Genesis 20:17 says this. Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. So all the way back, way back in Genesis, we see Abraham praying for someone to be healed, Abimelech, and God answered his prayer. Exodus 15 and 26, I am the Lord, your healer. Exodus 23 and 25, the Lord promised to remove sickness from their midst. So way back from the very beginning, all the way in Genesis, God is laying the pattern. God is laying the foundation that it is his will for his people. It is his will to be a healer. God revealed himself. I am the Lord, your healer. So let's take a look tonight at the life of Christ, some things that we see in Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 4, way back from the beginning, God began to introduce himself to humanity as a healer, as the great physician. Look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. Jesus traveled throughout all the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. I love that because teaching often precedes healing. That's why we're doing these meetings, because teaching brings faith. Jesus was teaching in the synagogues, and notice this, and he was announcing the good news about the kingdom. And the Bible says that Jesus, now what did Jesus come to do? The will of the Father. Jesus said, I came to do the will of him who sent me. Look what Jesus is doing in his ministry. He's proclaiming the gospel and he's healing every kind of disease. You know why I love that word, every kind? Because God doesn't look at your disease and go, oop, that's too hard for me. Oop, I can't, oop, that's a big one. That snuck up on me. Oop, didn't see that one coming. He healed every kind, the big and the little. I mean, with God, there are no big diseases. There's just disease. God looks at the common cold and like, ah, that, you know, that's, and he looks at cancer like, ah, that's nothing. He looks at everything the same. There's no big and little disease with God. It says he healed every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. What did Jesus come to do? He came to do the will of the Father. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Our God is such a great God. He's such a vast God. From the very beginning, Genesis 20, he began to reveal himself as a healer. Look at verse 24. 
And the Bible declares that good news about Jesus spread throughout all Syria. What was the good news? This guy's a great preacher. you got to come hear him. What was the good news? He's healing every kind of disease, and he's healing every kind of sickness. The good news about Jesus spread, and they began to bring to him. Why would they bring to Jesus those who were ill, those suffering various disease and pains, demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics? Why would they bring them to Jesus from these faraway lands? Because the good news that Jesus was healing people began to spread. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Way back in Genesis, we see God introducing himself as a healer. I want you to connect these dots. And it says they begin to bring all with various diseases and those suffering. And it says, say that last phrase with me, ready? And he healed them. I want that to settle in with you tonight. Jesus came to the earth to do God's will. He even prayed in Matthew 6. He said, not my will be done, but yours. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there any sickness and disease and pain and suffering in heaven? Your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Well, that was Jesus, and he's gone. Yeah, last time I checked, he sent the Holy Spirit to indwell in the church to continue the work, to to see the work continue. Look at Hebrews 10.7. Jesus said, Look, I've come to do your will, O God, as it's written in the Scriptures. So is it God's will? To be healed? Why do some people not receive their healing? I can't explain that. We're not going to take these three sessions and debate why some people don't receive. I know good, honest, godly people that I've prayed for who died. And I can't explain it. But that doesn't change the fact that I can show you in Scripture that God wants you to be healed and healthy and whole and well. And I can't let experience dictate my faith. I can't let a good experience dictate my faith, and I can't let a bad experience dictate my faith. My faith must come from God's Word. Does the Bible say, your experience is forever settled in heaven? No, no, no. What's it say? Your Word is forever settled in heaven. And so instead of arguing about why the those before us have passed and have compassion for them and their family, I would rather take the time and invest in you, the living, who has an opportunity to do something about it now. Do you see how I'm connecting that for you? Look at Luke chapter 8. I love this. Y'all okay tonight? Hope this is good. Look at Luke chapter 8. I love this. Large crowds begin to tour, uh, begin to follow Jesus. And it says, afterwards, Jesus began a tour of nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. Is this Luke chapter 8? Okay, there it is, verse 2. That's what I was looking at. And it says, suddenly a man with leprosy. Is that right? I'm, I'm not in the right. I'm not in the right uh, passage here. Let me just read what I have because I'm not. It's, it's apparently not Luke chapter eight. I must have made a typo. So suddenly, a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt down before him. And the the, the leprous man looked at Jesus and said, "If you are willing." Can you heal me and make me clean? So here's the story. The leper comes to Jesus. There's large crowds. This leper falls down and says, Lord, if you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean? And and this is what the Bible says. Jesus reached out and he touched the man and he said, I am willing, be healed. So the leper came and said, if you are willing, you can heal me. Jesus said, I'm willing. And he touched him and he said, be healed. And the Bible declares immediately the man was healed. Now, this is what I want you to notice in this passage. Jesus did not say, he didn't hesitate. The, the leper said, if you're willing, you can heal me. Well, let me go pray about it. Let me go talk to the Father. Let me go fast about it and pray about it and see if it's God's will to heal you. No, without hesitation, he said, I'm willing, be made whole. Today, when you come to the Lord with your infirmity, when you pray for that person that you love that is sick, And we say, Lord, are you willing? The answer from Jesus was then and it is now, yes, I am willing, be made whole. So if it's God's will to heal him, God doesn't show favoritism. Romans chapter 2, God is not a God of partiality. God is not a God who shows favoritism. If it's his will to heal then, it's his will to heal now. Look at Hebrews 13 and 8. This, is, this ought to settle it right here for you. Is it God's will to heal? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same. Somebody say the same. Last time I checked, the same means the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and 
forever. So not only are we seeing where Jesus walked in healing, walked in miracles, but do you know that the apostles also testified that Jesus was a healer? Do you know the Bible says, let everything be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses? So we have, number one, we have John. Somebody say, good old John. We read it already in 3 John 2. John said, Beloved, I want you to be in health and prosper as your soul prospers. John the Revelator, John who wrote the Gospel of John, he believed that Jesus healed then and continued to heal his church. Somebody say, Good old John. Now, the second witness of the apostles is Peter. So let everything be established by two or three witnesses. John believed it. Look what Peter wrote in Acts chapter 10. Peter said this. It's quoted. Luke wrote this, and Peter said it. Acts chapter 10, and look in verse 38. You'll see it on the screen. And it says, And you know Jesus of Nazareth. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now notice this here. Who was doing the oppressing? Who was bringing the sickness? Who was doing the good? Who was doing the healing? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Literally, this sickness in this instance was satanic oppression. Well, I'm just fighting the cold this year. According to the scripture, this sickness was an oppression by the devil. This was a satanic oppression. When are we going to quit planning for the flu season and start trusting God? Well, the TV said it's going to be a bad flu season. I better go ahead and get my Theraflu ready. Like we're preparing to be sick. We're putting up with satanic oppression. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not making His children sick. Now, I know there's, there's allergies and things we do, and I know there's things we eat, and maybe we don't exercise right, and I understand all that. There's choices that we make, and I'm not, I'm not separating us and our... But you know what? You can, you, can, you, can, you can chew tobacco for 60 years and have a mouth full of cancer, and God will still completely heal you out of His grace and mercy. Now, you may have to put the can of tobacco down. You may have to do something to keep what God's given you. But what I want you to see is, is we, we tolerate in the church today, we tolerate sickness as if it's just something that's supposed to happen and something that's supposed to be around because every other commercial is from a drug company telling you that you need their medicine. Every other commercial is telling you, the weatherman says, well, there's going to be the bad flu season this year. And you're like, well, oh, I guess I better prepare for the flu season. Like we're preparing to get sick. And according to this scripture, the church ought to rise up and say, you know what? Sickness and disease is a satanic oppression. We ought to take that same matter. How many of you get mad at sin? How many of you fight against sin? Hopefully everybody in the room. Well, I guess the, the news media said 50% are getting a divorce. I guess we'll just prepare to get a divorce. Of course not. We don't do that. We fight against it. But when it comes to even common ailments and common infirmities and common sickness, they become commonplace. And we forget that all sickness has its root from Satan. That's what the Word says. So John testified Jesus was a healer. Peter testified Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Somebody say all. Now look at John. Uh, look at James five thirteen. James was an apostle, the half brother of Jesus, who actually gave his life as a martyr for the gospel. If Jesus were a fraud, don't you think his brother would have known it? Do you think his brother would have died for a lie? Would his brother have been martyred for a, a fraud and a fake? No. Look what James said in his gospel, his epistle. He said, are any of you suffering? You suffering hardships, you should pray. I mean, that's a good thing. If you're suffering hardships, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Look at verse 14. Are any of you sick? Now, he didn't say, now only those of you whom it's God's will to heal, if you're sick, come forward and let us help you. He said, are any of you sick? He said, are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church. Now, this is one way to receive healing, not the only way. 
You've got to balance this out because at 3 a.m., your elders of the church may not be around. Please don't call me at 3 a.m. unless it's a real emergency, amen? If you call me at 3 a.m. because you got a nosebleed, I'm like, no, you <laughs> pray and fix your own nosebleed, amen? But sometimes the elders of the church aren't around. That's why we can receive God's word on our own. But like Sunday, God gave a, a word of wisdom. Sunday, God gave a word of knowledge, and the elders of the church were here, and prayer was offered, and things happened. So this is one method God uses. It says you should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Now look at the next verse in verse 15. And the Bible declares, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. So many people want to come down and let the pastor lay hands on them and just whoop-de-doo, you know, poopy-doo, whoop-de-doo, be healed, go you. And they're not releasing their faith. I heard a guy say one time, empty, empty hands on empty heads, you walk away with nothing. It's not, it's not you coming down and just letting the pastor pray over you. It says the prayer that is offered in faith. When you come down for prayer, you've got to have your faith activated in your heart to receive from God. Now, I love this. Go back to this verse in 15. i got to share a really good story with you. This is so cute. Because notice this here in verse 14. It says to anoint with oil. It says, anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, we were here, and uh, Teen Challenge was here. Uh, somebody's alarm's going off, so somebody has mashed their button. So we were here, and Teen Challenge was here, and they were having a service, and they come running down. I was teaching that chapel that day, and this sweet little lady said, uh, she said, there's, a, there's somebody in the back, and they're sick, and they need to be healed, and, and we can't pray for them because we don't have any oil. And I said, what do you mean you can't pray for them? She said, well, we need some oil. We don't have any oil. Well, can we go to the store and buy some? I said, if she's sick, go pray for her. It's not the oil that brings the healing, amen? It's the prayer that is offered in faith. Now, notice this here. I want you to go back to verse 15. So he says, if, if, if you offer this prayer in faith, the Lord will make you well. Notice it's not the oil. It's not even the preacher. The Lord. The Lord will make you well. And if you've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Now, look at verse 16. I want you to see this. Is it God's will to heal you? Is it God's will for every believer to be healed and restored? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. This is a command. Pray for each other that you would be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So confess your sins and pray. Somebody say this. Pray for each other. Notice this here. He's commanding to pray for each other that you may be healed. So if it is not God's will to heal Jim, then why would this apostle command his body, his church body, issue a command to pray that people would be healed if it is against God's will for that person to be healed and whole and restored. Ladies and gentlemen, it is God's will for his children to be healed, healthy, and whole and restored. That's why the apostle said, go ahead and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So John testified, Peter testified, and James testified. The last thing I want to talk about tonight when I let you go is really the question of where did sickness come from? Look at Romans chapter 5. We'll develop this more later on. But all sickness and disease originated with Satan. Before Satan entered into the life of mankind, before the fall, there was no sickness, no disease, no death. So sin brought sickness, disease, and death into the world. All sickness is a result of sin. Maybe not your personal sin. I'm not saying if you're sick that you're in some kind of personal sin. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying the sin of mankind, the sin of humanity, is the reason why we have sickness, disease, and death. Look at the Bible in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world. If you're a part of the world, wave at me. The reason you live in a sinful world is because Adam sinned. And Adam's sin brought death. Connect death and sin. The reason people die, the reason people are sick is because we live in a fallen world. The effects of sin are death. Adam sinned. Sin came into the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. But the Bible goes on to declare in Romans chapter 5 as well that through Jesus' death, life came into everyone. So just like Adam's sin brought death, Jesus' death brought life. All sin and all sickness originates from Satan. Last scripture, Luke 13, then we're going to let you go. Let me prove to you one more example that connects Satan's evil works 
with sin and sickness. Look at Luke 13. Look at verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, this is so powerful, he saw a woman who had been crippled by the Holy Spirit. Is that what that says, Jared, in verse 11? Track with me here. Don't leave me now. He saw a woman who had been crippled by the Holy Spirit. Is that, what, is that what your Bible says? Is that what the Bible says? No. Is anybody awake? No. Who crippled the woman? An evil spirit. Notice here, we're accrediting sickness to Satan and his works. So he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent over double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. The oppression on this woman for 18 years. Can I see your eyes for just a minute? 18 years. And in one encounter with Jesus, she was totally healed. You may have been struggling with something for 10 years. You may have been resisting something for 12 years. You may have been resisting something. Your condition, let me speak to you prophetically. I believe by the Holy Spirit, and I hope you get a hold of this. Your condition that you are in right now is not a lifetime condition. It doesn't have to be a lifetime condition. They may say, well, you've got degenerative this and that, you've got arthritis and this and that, and you've got lifetime seizures and this and that. And your condition, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it does not have to be a lifetime condition. When, when Jesus saw her, he called and said, Dear woman. Not only was a rabbi not supposed to talk to a woman, but in I think another translation he says, Daughter. So she's been over 18 years. Can you imagine being in an infirmity where you can't even lift up for 18 years? She was crippled by an evil spirit. And Jesus said, dear woman, notice, 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 notice before she could ever receive the healing. Jesus had to affirm who she was. She was loved and valued. Before you will ever receive healing from Jesus, you have to receive his love and esteem and how valuable you are to him. Dear David, dear Carrie, dear Carol, he said, dear woman. This woman probably hadn't anybody be nice to her in years. Nobody had paid her any attention. She was the scum. She was pushed away. She was all crippled and, and broken and feeble. Nobody gave her any attention. And Jesus had compassion and he said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Now notice this here. I want you to notice this word healed that you saw there. Let me, let me give you that. It says you are set free. You are healed. That word actually is the legal term. When he called her over and said, Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness. It's the legal term sometimes used for divorce. Check it out. Study the word. It means set free, made whole. It means divorced. It's, it's like a captive that was set free. He said, Dear woman, you are legally divorced from this sickness. It has no more power over you. It has no more rights in your life. You know, when you get divorced, that ex-spouse has no rights in your life anymore. If you go buy a new car next week after divorce, the ex-spouse doesn't get half of it because they've been divorced. They have no right in your life. How many know the ex-spouse just can't come over anytime they want? Yay. Yay. Amen. Carrie said amen. It's like it's, it's the legal term for a captive who had been set free. So Jesus said, this demonic spirit had legal right into your body. I'm divorcing you from that evil spirit. You've been set free. Now notice this here. Catch this in verse 13. Then he touched her and instantly. Sometimes healing comes instantly. As we're going to talk about, sometimes it's a process. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it instant and I'll take it as a process. I just want my healing. Amen. I'm not disappointed if it's a process. I just want to be healed and whole and restored. Notice this here, and instantly, and oh, how she praised God. Notice the sickness and the infirmity did not bring God glory, did not bring God praise. When was God praised? When was God glorified? When the sickness and the infirmity was healed. That brought glory to God. So I want to leave you with this. Look at Matthew 15. Write it down when you go home. 
Matthew 15 is a, a Gentile woman who lived there and, and was tormented by a demon. Uh, it says that it, she was miserably, miserably distressed, possessed with a demon was tormenting her. We never see those words associated with Jesus and his ministry. We never see that associated with him. So clearly, clearly, Acts 10.38, Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So here's how we leave tonight. We leave thinking our God is a big God. How many of you saw some revelation in that universe video? God's spinning the earth on its axis at just the right time and temperature and degree, and, and he's done it for however many years you want to say the earth is. He's watching the earth. How big is my problem then? If God can sustain the universe, can he not handle my problem? And then we leave tonight answering the question, yes, it's God's will to heal. Jesus healed the leper. The leper said, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I am willing. Today, he's saying, I am willing to heal you. And then number three, we leave today knowing that sickness is a result of sin and Satan. That is the cause of our sickness and disease. God is not our problem. We must understand that sickness has its root in satanic oppression. And Jesus came to set us free from the works of the enemy. Amen? Amen. I hope this helps you. I hope this whets your appetite. This is, I struggled with this, Pastor Michael, and you'll understand this as a minister. There's so much on this topic, healing, and there's so much we could teach you. We could take, honestly, months. And I felt like this. How many of you have ever been to a swimming pool and it didn't have a ladder? Didn't have steps? You just got to pick somewhere and jump in. What I did tonight was just kind of pick a place and jump in. There's not really a ladder. There's not really a starting point. I just had to jump in. And so I want you to know that, yes, it's God's will to heal you. Our God is a big God. He cares about, if he cares, you know there are flowers that bloom one day a year. Do you know that? There are flowers that literally bloom one day a year. And so many times they go even unnoticed by humans. But God doesn't care. They bloom for God. He cares. He positioned them. And he cares about that flower enough to help it to grow and sustain, to bloom one day out of the year. If God can give life and sustain a flower that blooms for one day, He can handle our infirmities. He can handle our sickness. He identifies with our weakness. And sickness comes from the enemy, and it must be resisted because it's God's will for His children to be healed, healthy, and whole. Amen? Amen, amen. Take these healing scriptures this week and begin to apply them into your life, and we will see the fruit of righteousness in our life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this teaching tonight. Thank you for the revelation of your greatness and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that whatever may be in our life right now that is not aligned, that you're bringing it into alignment for your glory. God, I wanted to establish tonight your word is settled in heaven. God, I wanted to establish tonight that it was your will to heal then, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, let us leave encouraged. God, let our faith leave tonight strengthened that you care for us in our weakness and our infirmity and that you see us and that you love us. And God, help us receive. Help us push down every hindrance, every roadblock, and receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.